You're listening to the Comic Book Informer Podcast with Vince and Raj, a podcast for everyone from comic nerds to comic noobs. You know who you are. Now here's your host, Vince. Hello, everybody, and welcome to issue 252 of the Comic Book Informer Podcast, coming to you on March 1st. How you doing? I'm actually doing all right. I had to read some good comics, so I'm actually in a good mood. <laughs> oh, wait. You had to read some good comics. That, well, yes, we have to read the comics that, for the show. You, you got to read some good comics. No, I had to. I've, I'm still working on – I'm embarrassed what? to say it's just because I started slow, but I'm still working on the Star Wars Dark Disciple from Christy Golden. So mm-hmm. every moment that I have to read something else that takes me away from it, yes, I have to read it because <laughs> I need to finish this book. It's that freaking good. All right. All right. Well, while technically your phrasing was correct, it, I don't know, just didn't sound quite I right. I would just move on with it. Yeah, fine. Well, those aforementioned good comics, we decided, well, we, I decided. <laughs> I had no that, say in the matter. Yeah, you never do. That with uh, Scott Snyder recently announcing that the end of his Batman run is coming up with issue 51. And now we know that somewhat coincides with Rebirth. It sort of makes sense. I figured I'd take a look at a comic I've been wanting to read on this show for years at this point. And that's his run on Detective Comics from 2011, uh, going from issues 871 to 881. Alongside artists Jock, Francesco Francavilla, and David Barron. It's multiple storylines, but it's pretty much considered one large storyline under the title of The Black Mirror. And I thought it was really cool to see Snyder's start on Batman before he took over the main title in the New 52. What's funny is that reading this, at least I, I felt that way. I don't know necessarily that I'd be able to guess immediately that it was Snyder, Mm -hmm. but I think I might have been able to because you see the same elements that you saw in Batman. You see the same clever writing, the same attention to detail, and you see an appreciation of that IP. And I mean, that's there in spades immediately. It's it's one of those things where there's certain writers, there's a lot of good writers, and there's certain writers, though, that it, it doesn't feel like reading a comic book. Not that there's anything wrong with reading comic books, not at all. It just, the way the story is constructed is, I don't want to say more intelligent, because again, that sounds harsh, but it's just a different way of writing that he has that really comes through. And it does feel a lot more researched, a lot more attention to detail, and also a deep appreciation and understanding of each of the characters, and it comes across as well. I mean, this was so good, and I'll get to my one point. I have one issue with it, and it's a minor one. One issue with all of these. It was that freaking awesome Mm -hmm. it's really cool because you could definitely see him playing in that sandbox that would become his batman run especially the the main black mirror storyline there's a lot of court of owls sort of elements to that nothing you know the actual plot line but the feel of it and like the general structure you can definitely see that he was working with stuff that he enjoyed and wanted to carry through after the big reboot because you can also kind of pinpoint 
the exact moment in the story where he found out there's going to be a reboot and he needs to tie up as many loose ends as possible. Well, the thing, too, that I appreciate, which is another reason why I think I might have guessed that it was Snyder, is his understanding that Gotham is a character as well. Oh, absolutely. And not everybody gets that. Or some will kind of try to make it seem as if they get it, but it still doesn't come through properly. However, every time he tackles that, it is very much, it doesn't feel as if it's just shoved down your throat. It's very much an organic character in the story. And you can appreciate that even, even when they are kind of monologuing a little bit about it, which is a little bit of monologuing here, of course, to be expected, but it still comes off as a very clear understanding that Gotham is a central character in this story. Well, it wouldn't be a Batman comic without a certain amount of brooding. Um, Yeah. (laughs) But what we get here right off the bat is this wonderful little moment in time where Dick Grayson was Batman. And I I loved Dick as Batman by just about every writer that touched him, even Grant Morrison. As much as I wasn't a fan of his Batman overall, I liked his Dick as Batman. And I felt that was something he'd been building towards for a while and finally reaching that point because – We've seen so many other people as Batman, especially currently with Jim Gordon. But I mean, just the history of the character and what it means for him to finally, you know, put on the big boy pants, if you will. I especially under Snyder's writing, I absolutely adored it. Well, the thing, too, that's different about about Gordon and Dick is that there's still a lot of similarities between Gordon and Bruce. And so a cantankerous old man playing Batman <laughs> is not that different from a cantankerous young man playing Batman. Whereas Dick, as is explained here beautifully time and time again, is such a different character in terms of who he is as a person. I mean, when, when you see Gordon's son saying that he knew it was Dick because he saw Batman smile and you're like, yeah, oh. like that was just so beautifully written and so true to each of the characters, even Bruce, who's not even there. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, there's so many things about how Dick is a different Batman. And it's not, you can say a better or worse. It's just a very, very different Batman. And it's fun. And what's fun too is that you can't have a Batman story without having a lot of inner monologuing going on. And we're used to Bruce's obvious monologuing and some of the other characters, but Dick's is so much more refreshing and Mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's more hopeful, even though he has moments where the city is beating him down and he acknowledges it as well, but he is still hopeful about about the city and about his role in the city. And that gives you a way different narrative than you otherwise would have with whether it's a Bruce in the story or, or Gordon in the main role. I also liked the uh, brief little bit where Joker was in the story, which again, Snyder getting to play with Joker before he finally gets to do, you know, his big storylines with them. That was a cool sight to see. Didn't know it was Dick per se, but knew it wasn't his Batman. It was such, it was only a couple pages, but it was such a great scene. Yep. I agree. I agree. And then the other big point here is we have Babs as Oracle still in the wheelchair and still even more awesome than she is today. (laughs) Said that time and time again. 
because I mean, she's such, she's such a strong character here. And God, at the end, just even though she's in a wheelchair bleeding to death, you still don't mess with her. No, no. I, again, this, what's funny is that this has come up in conversation here at the house where I've talked about it with, with my wife and I'll get to that when we get to what we're reading, but it's, it's still one of those where she is, we need a dedicated Oracle comic and I don't mm-hmm. care if it's out of canon, not a birds of prey, not a, a, a bad girl. I want a dedicated Oracle, put it in whatever time frame you want, whatever canon you want, whatever, but give it to a good writer who can handle it and do really good by her. We need that right now. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. She's such an important character for any number of reasons. I mean, especially just representation alone. Yeah. So diving into the stories itself, uh, the first several issues of the run were The Black Mirror, which sees Dick diving into this seedy underworld element where people are buying and selling artifacts, the various villains. And it was, I said, this is where you can see him, like the, the gear starting to turn for what would eventually become the Court of Vows. I said, they're not directly related, but thematically there's definitely a line that you can draw between the two because this was creepy as hell the high society murderous like oh it was it made me uncomfortable at points which is exactly what it was supposed to do when that crowbar is revealed before anything is said i was like no way no and then he goes on to describe and i'm going oh my god snyder (laughs) jesus what is wrong with you (laughs) <laughs> and that when the fear toxin comes into play, both the the story, the way it's written and artistically. I mean, we had some great artists here. Uh, it was alternated between Jock and Francesco Francavia, and they were both good choices for the roles they played here. Because Jock focused more on the Batman side of stuff. And you really see what he can bring to the table once that fear toxin kicks in here, as well as Frank Avia did the more Gordon focused issues, which had a different style and still fit very, very well for what they were doing there. And here's my one complaint. Mm -hmm. And it's not just with these per se, but also when this is done by artists nowadays, or was it done in the past? When an artist will put their signature, their initials, mm. or their tag partway through an issue, like when on a there's big a splash page, page spread, yeah. get over yourself. You are not that important in what you are doing, you egotistical jackass, is taking us completely out of the story at that point because now we're looking at your stupid tag on a two page spread. You don't see a writer after a particularly good narrative bit saying, Tag Snyder. You know, no, your signature is at the beginning. You're given the credit you deserve or at the end when it's done. Stop putting your signature on two page spreads. And he does that a couple of times. And I hate it when artists do that. To me, there's there are a few things as egotistical as something like that where you need somebody to know, even though it's partway through the story, you're going to stop. Whoa, hold on a second. Check it out. I did this. Shut up. God, I hate it when they do that. I don't hate it per se. I understand why it's done. But at the same time, I agree that it it's very jarring. I, there's no reason to have it done. There's none. They're given credit at no, the start I, or at the end. I there's agree. no reason. 
I oh, it irks me. <laughs> I don't have a lot of pet peeves when it comes to comics, but man, that's one of them. It's like get over yourself, buddy. Yeah. So yeah, Black Mirror, especially like looking back on it now, I'm glad we waited as long to read this as we did because now as a historical artifact, it's so much more interesting. Yeah, no, it was really well done. The going back to the art, I didn't think that, and this is not a jab because of his little mm-hmm. tag thing. I didn't think that Francesco's art was as strong. No, um, well, Jock is a superstar. I mean, it's, it, it's kind of hard to compare. It's it's like when somebody takes over for Bacallo or Ramos. Yeah, it, it just kind of, yeah, it, it wasn't the same. But mm-hmm. I mean, it, it was still it was still fine. But you certainly do notice the difference between the two art styles, and it is jarring for those few issues in between kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So then we dive into some of the Gordon-focused issues, because that's the cool thing about Detective Comics. They don't all have to be Batman comics. You can spend some time playing with a lot of the other characters. So we got the Skeleton Cases storyline, which is actually uh, backups originally published for the Black Mirror, uh, collected as one issue in, in the collection here, as well as The Lost Boys, which brings back James Gordon Jr. and... That creepy son of a bitch. Snyder, oh my goodness. He he wrote a disturbing character. The all of the creepy stuff that they try to do with so many villains who are supposed to be psychopaths doesn't always come through on the page. Mm-hmm. This did. And that's where I'll give credit to Francesco there too as well despite not being a huge fan of his art style you do get that come across the page each panel when there's an interaction between them and so it's not just the writing but also the art that really chills you as you're reading certain things well a lot of that has to do with his glasses and they always frame him in such a way that the light is frequently reflecting off the glasses so he has that it, it, without the eyes, yeah. he seems so much more inhuman, and it works. Yep, I agree. Because Gordon wears the same glasses, but they don't give him the same effect. Yeah, yeah. It, it, on one hand, is kind of cheating, but on the other hand, I don't care because it works. It works. It definitely did work. So we dive back into another Batman story, Hungry City, where a giant killer whale is in the middle of a bank. And it, this was, you know, kind of your typical goofy Batman story of, you know, these crazy villains and twists and turns, but it ties in with Dick and, you know, his history with, you know, the woman involved being the daughter of the person that was responsible for the death of his parents. And this is where you could see Snyder was really trying to build up Batman and like, okay, here's my Batman. I'm going to bring in some new villains. We're going to do all kinds of cool stuff with these guys later, except later never happened. (laughs) The other thing, too, is it gave us even more interactions between Gordon and Dick, mm-hmm. as well as Gordon and Dick as Batman, which was important for later on when you're seeing the two of them together again as it pertained to Gordon's son. Because this is one of those rare moments as well where Gordon is thanking dick for being batman and what he's done not in so many words but enough that they both understand that listen gordon knows and he's saying thanks well yeah and that's where we get in with the last few issues here uh the skeleton key my dark architect and the face in the glass which ties everything previously together like this is where i was saying okay i have to tie up the loose ends because my comic is about to be rebooted and i'm gonna go write the real batman comic if you will and this is so much about the Gordons 
specifically, of course, you have Jim, you have Babs, you have James Jr., and you have Barbara, Jim's first wife. And they do realize there's there. more names than just Jim and Babs, right? They get I, that. It's you should see my notes. I, 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 I'm like I have to have parentheses so I know who I'm talking about at any particular <laughs> time. <laughs> and it just, I mean, James Jr. being weird as hell. And to the point where he's responsible for the Joker breaking out. And this is Joker is in this comic for so few pages, but the impact he has is incalculable. It's it's again, Snyder going being very frugal with his use of the biggest character in the Batman franchise and using him to fantastic effect. See, the other thing that I liked about about his writing as well is how he cleverly will let you wonder about something and then bring you back to that, but not by way of actually reintroducing it in the story, but by putting something similar happened to which, which makes you then go back and go, hold on a second. If that happened, maybe this actually did happen. So when he's talking to you, Babs, and he's insinuating. Oh, my God. I was losing my mind. Yeah. He's insinuating that he was the one that put that idea into the Joker's head to paralyze her and then says, ah, he's just joking or whatever. He didn't do it. But then later he's talking about did he or did he not poison the baby, Mm -hmm. the the nutritional system, whatever it was called. I can't remember. And then saying, well, you'll never know. And then there's the shots of psychotic baby kind of thing which leads you then there's no mention again of the joker incident with babs but all of a sudden now you're thinking hold on a second obviously if he's lying about that or saying you'll never know then it's quite possible that he is lying and that he did in fact put the joker up to it i had so many flashbacks to that documentary we watched the imposter where there were points where you know, we were buying into the story and it had to remind ourselves it was being told by a professional con artist. Like, that's the exact same feeling I got reading this comic. But he's not a con artist. Well, no. He but just has no concept of, yeah. you know, he can't relate to it. It doesn't matter if he's telling the truth or not kind of thing. So it's not like there's anything in it for him either way other than to, to toy with her a little bit kind of thing and, and just be cruel. So, but you're you're left to wonder whether or not he did because the potential of him having done it is large. The the believability of it being how it all came to be is I, I bought it and mm-hmm. I still do. So whether or not that occurred, of course, there's no way of knowing. And of course, it wouldn't have been planned as such. It's just I like that Snyder had the balls to tackle that and pretend and to leave that little earworm of his voice saying that he did it kind of thing. Yeah. And and there's so much great stuff they did with James of, you know, the flashback to when he was taking the experimental medication and showing that, you know, the meds made him better. But once he had that clarity, you know, he had the twisted vision of no, 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 this is regressing me to, you know, being like normal people. I, I, I was evolved. I was meant to be, you know, this next level and, it shows that, yes, there is something medically wrong with him, but there's also a deeper sickness beyond just, you know, being a psychopath. Like there's something actually 
twisted inside of him and tying that in with Jim Gordon and all the stuff with the past, the, you know, the girl that disappeared when they were teenagers oh, yeah. and, it, you know, him trying to approach it as a detective of, you know, never having the evidence and without that evidence, he can believe that his son isn't completely gone and oh, it's 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 so well done it's hard to kind of formulate and explain without having read it because it's wonderfully paced and it it's such a fantastic character study for all of them for jim for james jr for barbara for dick for everybody what I really liked, and I, I go back to this often, but it is important because we do have, obviously, the population is getting older, comic book readers, and some of them do have families. And as a parent, you're reading this, and I'm reading the bits with, with Gordon, and not only is it chilling, but it sets your mind to wonder of just how much would you accept from your child? Because mm-hmm. in most cases, it's damn near anything. But this takes that and says, really? Anything? Are you sure? Because look at what he's done kind of thing. But then you're you're thinking, yeah, but it's not his fault. He's got this mental condition. And there's so many ways of rationalizing who he is as a parent. And you could see Gordon doing the same thing all throughout, like still wanting to stop him, obviously, and yet still not being able to to kill him when it comes to that point. Yeah. Very, so very, good. very good. So good. And Seriously. then I loved a little bit, the end with uh, Jim and Dick where, yes, there is the implication that Jim knows who it is because of course he would recognize his daughter's childhood friend and somebody who was very important to her. Same way James jr. Did. And, it, it ties into that scene in Injustice is what I keep coming yeah, back exactly, to where yeah. of course Jim knows that Barbara was Batgirl. So it, it's, that scene it's was great. so they're, well written in Injustice yeah, that it screwed up Batman <laughs> Gordon <laughs> out forever. It, it's there's so much unsaid in that scene that it, it was the great it was a great way to end uh, this comic. Yeah, and looking back at it, as great as Snyder's run has been on Batman, it, it, he's definitely told bigger stories, more in depth stories. I'd say the quality of the story of what he did in 11 issues of Detective Comics is the high point. I, I don't think it, I'd put it's it hard. up of it's hard. Court of Owl stuff, but in terms of like the Bloom stuff going on now, oh well, I don't yeah. even think you can compare the two. You can't. Which is too bad because considering the depth of what was going on with Bruce there, you would think that it should have. But I don't even think it comes remotely close to this in terms of just the quality of the writing. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, you have the what if scenario. What if he'd been able to continue writing Detective for a while and letting these plot points play out on a bigger scale? But, yeah, we'll never know. We we can be happy with what we got because what we got was freaking awesome. Exactly, yeah. Well, moving into what we're reading this week, I promised that I would see Deadpool, and I did, and I would give my opinions, and I will. So, <laughs> so there. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I really, really enjoyed it. It was a lot of fun. It, it wasn't, you know, an epic movie. I, I, it's one of those things where, like I said, the marketing put butts in seats and people were entertained for their 90 plus minutes. So 
yeah, yeah, everybody's enjoying it. It was it was better than just about anybody expected it to be. And I think you can definitely <laughs> agree to that point. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like and, I said, I, I never said that it was bad. Mm-hmm, no. It just was – did not strike me as good as what everybody was making it out to be. No, I, I, I'll i mostly agree with that. But it, it, you also have to consider, you know, when it came out, it's been a while since there's been, you know, a big, you know, event movie, especially in the superhero genre. So this is kind of, you know, getting people back into that mode now that all the big movies are going to be coming out over the next couple months. But I just really enjoy how well made the movie was. Like it was brilliantly paced, like nothing ever overstayed its welcome. The jokes hit, they went on, the movie just never stopped. And like, I had no idea who the hell Tim Miller was. <laughs> like it, this is the first movie he's ever directed, but come to find out he's the guy that's been in charge of blur studios. He's the one that made all those awesome, uh, trailers for the Arkham games and DC universe online, which we've praised over on our, for the lore podcast. So this dude knows his, knows how to do, tell a story visually and definitely has, uh, you know, his, his foot in the superhero waters already. So this was actually a great franchise for him to make his film debut on. Cause it really showed what he can do as a director and knowing that you can look and see where those kind of blur, experience has gotten him with a lot of the action scenes because the action scenes were on point beginning to end. Like I said, I would have enjoyed it a lot more had it not been for the marketing ruining most of the film. See, I saw most of it. So as it's happening again, I'm like, I already saw this. After the first couple trailers, just like most movies, I blacked out the marketing. I was like, okay, I know I'm going to see the movie. I don't need to know anymore. Yeah. I should have not looked at any of the marketing for it. Because it was literally, there was just too much of it that it was like, as it's happening, it was like, this would be really funny if I hadn't seen it already several times. Mm-hmm. On to actual comics, though. Angela still remains one of the best thing Marvel's publishing. Uh, we finally got to the end of the big first storyline of her conquering hell, and it lived up to it. It had all the action moments you could want of, you know, a battle for the ruler of hell. But a lot of emotional, like great stuff between her and Sarah, which we've talked about before, how important that is and how disappointing it is that not more people are talking about it, especially at Marvel. Because this is a fantastic story, a romance between two women that nobody at Marvel is talking about when they really should because they could be scoring a lot of points here from a marketing standpoint because the writing is fantastic. I'm behind on that. Catch up. It's worth it. I and, and I the know the artwork it is. is gorgeous. Like there are there are frame worthy scenes in this book. Did you at least catch up on Justice League with Dark Side War? You know what? <laughs> You're gonna hate me. And it's not because it was bad. Mm-hmm. I got halfway through it. Oh. And it was one of those where it was a late night as I was reading it, my knees were shot, and I just got halfway through and I went, No, I'm going to sleep. Mm-hmm. So it's not that it was bad and I will be going back to finish yeah, it. Because it's continuing to be the spectacle it has been for the last several issues. It's it's getting bigger, it's getting crazier, but it's still just as good. Like I, I never would have thought I would be enjoying a story heavily featuring the crime syndicate this much because I've never really cared for the characters. Like, okay, you know, they're fun a little bit here and there, but 
what their meaning to the story and how integral they are to it and how well written they are and playing off the actual Justice League, especially, you know, the new twisted versions of the Justice League that we have here. It it's brilliant. I'm still absolutely in love with this storyline. Cool. And then finally, we didn't talk about it last month because it just, you know, never came up. Chew. <laughs> yeah, that was first on my list. <laughs> Because at the end of last month's issue, I was potentially very angry and very upset. And at the beginning of this issue, I was exceptionally angry and upset before, you know, we got a little bit of levity and okay, we don't have to continue hating laymen. (laughs) The thing is, is you believe it. Yeah. It could have happened because that bastard was right that (laughs) he would kill her off. We've come to expect that from him at this point. Yeah. So I... I believed that was it. She was going and I did hate him. So for me, it was a little bit of a cheat almost not to kill her off, which is an odd way of saying that because, you know, I didn't want it to happen, but you put it in the story, but it's just kind of a red herring for later. Yeah, but I I think he's earned it at this point because he's given us enough of those emotional bits. I, 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 I'm okay with him going, ah, no, I'm just messing with you this time. Because by the end of the issue, we had another momentous bit. And I won't ruin it for our listeners, but God, you need to read this comic. Because (laughs) never before has a comic where the last two words are eat me been so important. (laughs) I I won't say anything. Yeah, it this this storyline they're doing now that we're pushing to the finale there's five or six issues left oh my goodness it's continuing to be not just as good as it was before it keeps getting better and and i can't wait to see how layman wraps this up absolutely have to say we constantly are saying how amazing the art is but Mm -hmm. in some of these issues some of these panels the art is unbelievable the one panel in question that takes place before the eat me bit <laughs> is amazing for so many different reasons. Mm-hmm. Like, oh my God, Rob's work is just incredible uh, on this. It's just, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's funny when the, um, when they get to the bit where they meet up with Caesar and there's, you know, the crazy terrorist going on. I was like, oh, they'll just call him Poyo. Oh, <laughs> Which is why I say Layman has hit us hard enough. We deserve a win. <laughs> All right. What have you got for us this week? Well, that was going to be one. I actually, I'm not going to be talking too, too long in a couple, just ever so briefly. Injustice, latest one. Eh, not as much. Yeah. Not as much. And plus it, it was yet another Catwoman saying, okay, I'm out of here. And I was like, yeah, it was weird. I was like, that. didn't she already do that? Yeah. So, eh, whatever. Kanan, fantastic. Latest mm. Kanan was just Wow. I, I, I loved it. And it, it was, I, we've been getting caught up on shows since my wife got back. So my wife was gone for a month. And so we've got like stockpiled shows to get caught up on. And one of them being rebels. So we got caught up on rebels and then we were chatting about different things and all that. So again, reading this was like, ah, it was awesome. Bloody friggin' awesome. Now, in terms of some of those shows that we got caught up on, 
there was the obvious superhero shows. Not all mm-hmm. of them, but we got caught up on all of the Flash, which was the most important. That was like right away Flash. We're getting caught up on this. And the stuff going on on Flash continues to be – it's so freaking good. It's unbelievable. It is so good, so much fun, so well-written. For the most part, so well acted. There's only really one actress that I'm not crazy about. The rest, man, the acting is phenomenal. You're They were doing a lot of Earth 2 stuff. Mm-hmm. So you're getting to see the alternate reality of the, the, the mainstay characters. And I mean, we've read that kind of stuff and enjoyed it when done properly. And here it is in the flesh. And it was done properly as well and really kind of cool. I, once again, it goes back to what I've always said about why I love the Flash it's not embarrassed to be a comic book show. Oh, hell no. No. And it dives headfirst into every comic book silly trope it can and looks great coming out the other end. What's funny is that you'll get the tie-ins, the obvious tie-ins between mostly Arrow and 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 Flash, and they'll mm-hmm. even talk about throw out little lines every once in a while on each other's show about the other show or like Felicity will be wearing a Star Labs hoodie kind of thing. <laughs> and and so you get those. And one of the ones too is whenever Arrow Oliver will make a joke about something going on in Barry's world and how different it is from them, like the, the time travel and all that. And he just has this look on his face. It's like, yeah, don't ask. It's just a thing that's, <laughs> it's real. <laughs> so you get that. But it's true. All of it. Yeah. The, um, the, was it the last episode or the one before that they did King shark. Now they had shown him a little bit before in a prior episode and he's just, massive like holding on to all of Barry's head in his hand and he's just huge and the special effects were amazing but it was very short Mm -hmm. they had an episode where flat out fight between the two of them and chase and everything it is such a great time to be a superhero TV show <laughs> fan now because because that's a thing that happened. it looks so real there are scenes where Barry is racing under the water. He's running and King Shirt is swimming underneath him, periodically jumping out of the water towards the camera. And it is spectacular. It is glorious. It looks so unbelievable. So yeah, that continues to be awesome. The stuff in Arrow has been interesting with the whole League of Assassins and, and mm-hmm. Damien Dark and whatnot. But here's the thing, and this is the only thing that I'll talk about, and the rest of the superhero shows are, they're good. We've got caught up on Supergirl as well, which the stuff with John Jones has been really, really quite cool. But anyways, back to Arrow. In Arrow, and this is going to spoil a little bit if you're like way behind, so stop listening. Um, but Felicity got injured. So she had her, um, her, she was shot. Again, it's very, very much Oracle. She was shot. Her spine got damaged. Mm-hmm. She was in a wheelchair. She already is the Oracle character for Ollie and his troop here. So she's the smart one that's at the computer telling him where to do hacking into everything. They even, once she's in the wheelchair, they give her a code name and they call her Overwatch, which I'm, I'm guessing oh. Blizzard might have trademarked and <laughs> told them that that was trademarked. But, and they make the joke that Oracle was already used by someone. Nice. I'm fine with that. I'm fine with that. Let's be honest. Their version of Ollie is already 75% Batman. 
oh, you might oh, as God, well yeah. go with it. Yeah, it, it, it fits. Here's the thing, though. She's in a wheelchair for a while, and they handled it really well because there's the obvious trauma. There's the healing, trying to get through this, trying to deal with this. But it's also in how everybody else treats her. And, like, you don't see anybody pushing her wheelchair. She gets by. She -hmm. gets where she needs to go. And then there's the obvious, like, there's no um, pity party at all for anybody being, you know, talking to her and, and, and things like that, that, that this is horrific and which obviously it would be, but they immediately treat her like the person that she's always been. So again, a lot of things done really well, but you know, mm-hmm. they're going to take her out of that chair and you're just waiting for it. And it's quite a few episodes later, but the genius is there. Mr. Terrific's in this as well. Okay. And uh, and so he's working on something that's going to, when implanted into her spine, allow her to walk again. And it doesn't initially, but oh, spoiler, it obviously does. And she, mm-hmm. she walks. And as much as I knew it was going to happen, I was so disappointed that the creators of this show didn't understand that representation is far more important in the long run than that moment of that feel good moment of Mm -hmm. the character regaining her ability to walk. I was so disappointed. I knew it was going to come eventually, but I still kind of had that hope that they would understand that it's far more important. And it was well set up that you believed it. Everything else that they were doing worked and it still was obviously difficult for her. She had her demons to fight because of this and she had to come out on top. There was a lot of things that were really well done. It just boom. A few episodes later, she's walking again. I was like, son of a bitch. So I was utterly disgusted and disappointed with them that they had to go the easy route with that easy win, quote unquote, instead Mm -hmm. of again, having that representation. As you can give that character just as much of a moment of triumph in any other way. Oh yeah, definitely. Definitely. So anyways, so that's it for me. All right, then this week's new releases. We've got a bunch from Marvel. We've got a force number three, Avenger standoff assault on pleasant Hill alpha. I'm staying the hell away from that thing. Black widow. Number one, we got our new series from her now or for her Darth Vader. Number 17, Deadpool. Number eight, guardians of infinity. Number four, invincible Iron Man. Number seven, new Avengers. Number seven, Nova. Number five, old man, Logan. Number three and Spider-Man. Number two, lots of great stuff in there, which is good because it's pretty Slow week from everybody else. DC, we have Batgirl number 49, Batman and Robin Eternal number 22, Batman Beyond number 10, and Green Lantern number 50. Image brings us Deadly Class number 19 and The Walking Dead number 152 from Boom Studios. Mighty Morphin Power Rangers number one. That Don't worry, Raj. Why did you even have to put that in there? <laughs> I, I just felt I had to. <laughs> For the same reason I had to put Gem in there every week. Oh, God. What, Tart asked you to? <laughs> Someone would complain. Let's put it that oh, God. way. Damn From Alicia. Dark Horse, Lone Wolf 2100 number three and Predator Life and Death number one. And from Udon, Street Fighter Unlimited number four. So that's going to wrap us up here. As always, you can find us online at comicbookinformer.com, on Stitcher, on iTunes, on everywhere. And you can find us on Twitter at CB Informer. And until next week, thanks for listening. Well, you made sure to get that right this week. <laughs> 
I make sure to get it right every week, Raj. <laughs> but you didn't last week. <laughs> no, I just failed in making sure to get it right. <laughs> Make sure to stop by comicbookinformer.com and let the guys know what you think in the comments. If you'd like to hear more from Roger and Vince, check out Popcorn Ronin, a bi-weekly movie, TV, and anime podcast, as well as For the Lore, a weekly gaming podcast.